Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 98 of Fan First Sports Network podcast. Yep, you heard that right. Fan First Sports Network podcast. This is a podcast about the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and I'm with Jake Slobotnik. We have a new home. It's the same old podcast. Jake, how's it going? It's going good. This new home's feeling a little cozy. I'm liking what I feel. I'm getting used to the new atmosphere. Things have been good so far. Basketball season where high school's finally over with so now i have some free time on my hands and just in time because opening day is now a couple days away and it feels so good it does feel good opening day by the time you guys are listening to this will be one day away we're recording on tuesday opening day of course is thursday and this is our official pittsburgh pirates preview podcast so we might as well just dig in uh jake it looks like the roster is pretty much set at this point um we could just go through each position group if you'd like starting with maybe the starting pitching unfortunately jt brubaker it looks as though he's going to be starting the season on the il with uh arm soreness so Looking at the starters, it's looking like Mitch Keller on opening day, and then we'll have Rowanzi Contreras, um, Rich Hill, Johan Oviedo, and our boy, Vince Velasquez. Anything really jump out to you there? Uh, aside from Vasquez being the obvious eyesore, uh, or Velasquez, I should say, um, I'm liking this line, this rotation a little bit. I like having Keller in there, the resurgent Keller. Yeah, we're trying that again. Um, it's a shame about JT because I think he was just starting to get his break under control, uh, with the slider. And I saw a recent stat saying that he was leading one of the advanced metrics with his slider usage. I think it was whiffs or something like that. Someone related to it. Uh, so he was kind of getting hot at the right time, but unfortunately, uh, soreness hinders him. I'm really excited to see what Oviedo can do, what he brings to the table. I, I think he all he needs is just a good chance, and this is his opportunity to show it. And he kind of showed in the final uh, preseason or the spring training game against the Minnesota Twins, went five innings, struck out seven, gave up two earned runs, but, I mean, I'll take that. Um, he didn't do too, too bad. And, uh, oh, man, I'm uh, Rowansi. Um, I'm just expecting more, more good things out of him. I really don't have any – high hopes for him. I don't think he's going to come out and be a Cy Young contender or anything like that this season. But I mean, for him, it's just building off what he started last year, just sort of adding to it and kind of picking up where he left off from the world baseball classic from which for those who don't, who don't know, he did pretty well in it. So, I mean, really the, the, all the hope is there for this entire rotation aside from Velasquez, but I'm sure he'll make his exempt halfway through the season and Luis Ortiz will take over then, or uh, they'll get Mike Burrows or something like that up. So at the moment, I'm liking what I see. It's unfortunate for JT, but I think things are going to be really good for the rotation this year. Yeah, I agree. I like the rotation and uh, it's kind of interesting that the pirates are pretty much testing their depth from the get go, but Whenever Oviedo, someone like him, is the sixth starter, you can't really go wrong. And they have Luis Ortiz waiting. They have Mike Burroughs waiting. So I like them as well in AAA. We'll see how long Velasquez lasts. Part of me hopes that he can be the next, uh, maybe not Jose Quintana. Quintana has actually had success in the past. But maybe like the next Tyler Anderson, who really wasn't great. And then he came to the Pirates and found success. So we'll see with him. I'm excited to see Brubaker come back. Uh, I hope he's not out too long. Cause like you said, his stuff looked pretty good in spring training. And I am, I feel like I'm one of the few JT Brubaker truthers out there. It seems like a lot of pirates fans kind of crap on him because he does struggle. Uh, he gives up the long ball, but I just think he has really good stuff and he, he gets strikeouts and we'll see whenever he's able to return. But yeah, we've kind of been talking about it all offseason. I I like where the starting rotation is at. I know you do as well. So we'll see we'll see how it gets started early on in the season. Moving on to the bullpen, though, don't really like it quite as much. Uh, obviously, we have David Bednar as the closer, elite closer. You can't argue there. After that, it gets a little shaky. It looks like to start the season, we're going to see Will Crow, Chase DeYoung, Jose Hernandez, the Rule 5 pickup who has struggled a lot this spring, but he'll at least get a chance. Colin Holderman, 
Uh, it looks like Dari Moretta is going to make the team. Dwayne Underwood Jr. And it looks like your boy, Jake. Uh, Rob, can you finish his last name for me? Zestrizny. Rob Zestrizny is, it looks like he's going to make the team as the second lefty. What do you think of that bullpen? Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot better than it was last season at this point. Credit to Schmuko on Twitter. He brought up last year's opening day roster, and I'm looking at these pitchers. And remember, we had guys in the bullpen like Anthony Bonda, uh, Aaron <laughs> Fletcher, Heath Hembry. Oh, my God. Uh, Dylan Peters was there a little bit, and then Chris Stratton, obviously. And then you had guys like Bryce Wilson, Miguel Hurry. It was, in my opinion, a lot worse at this point last year. Clearly, it's not a top-tier bullpen. It's no Shark Tank 2.0. But, I mean, we got quality arms. We got Holderman, who has looked great all spring. It just sucks that he was hindered last year by an injury. But either way, it's how you rebound. Uh, Dari Moretta, he's impressed me to a point this spring. I don't have high, high hopes for him. But I do think that I think he'll have a little bit. Like, he'll have a period throughout the season where he's going to be okay. But I don't think he's going to be, like, the next best thing. Clearly, you said it with David Bednar, the elite closer. Not much you have to say there. Um, Jose Hernandez, I don't know how to feel about him. I was high on him at the beginning of spring training. Then he really started to surrender runs. Hitters caught up to him, uh, which kind of made me step back a little bit. There's some people out there that just don't like him and think he's going to be returned to Los Angeles here uh, later this season. I don't think that. I think he'll be decent. I don't think he's going to be great. I don't think he's going to be awful either. Um, Rob's Zestrisny because I've been high on him all spring training. I'm going to stay high on him. That's Not your boy. Like, <laughs> he's been my boy, and I'm kind of shocked that he is at least in consideration. He hasn't been demoted as of yet at this time, and we are recording this at 5:25 on Tuesday. Um, he hasn't been demoted or reassigned as of yet, and he's really the only other left-handed option that the Pirates could go with for the bullpen. And I mean, he's been score. He's been fine all spring training. I think a zero ERA. Pitched in the World Baseball Classic and did okay. Um, so there's some promise with him here. Uh, so who knows if he's going to crack the opening day roster? I think it. I think in a in a perfect world they should. And I've been getting a lot of flack of this on Twitter. People saying that handedness in the bullpen doesn't really matter. But the thing is, is that Derek Shelton's a big matchup guy. And I think late in the bull, late in the innings or late in the game, he's going to want to go to an experienced southpaw. He's not going to try to put Hernandez out there in a crucial situation uh, when he needs a lefty out. I think the Pirates would be smart to bring Zestrisny, at least for the interim. But Dwayne Underwood Jr., I think, has looked okay. I'll admit it. I think he's mm-hmm. looked fine. Um, I'm not completely sold on him, but I'll give credit where credit's due. Chase DeYoung has had his moments. I don't know. I, I would be perfectly fine if we didn't bring him along to opening day, but I'm also not going to complain if he's there. I mean, he's he's worked on some things. He looked great last year. He's, he's crafted that slider a little bit better, and he's starting to get hitters to chase after that, kind of like JT in a way. But I'm not I'm not entirely sold on him. What I am sold on, though, is that Will Crow is just cooked. Every time I see him in the game, at least during spring, you can tell that there is some part of him from last year that is just sort of branched over. And, like, it's, it's hard to say, but you got to face facts. Will Crow just looks like hitters read him so easily. Um, anytime he was brought in during spring training, whether it was in mop-up time or against the the prime performers for other teams, or even just like your regulars, he seemed like he struggled hitting spots. I don't think was his big problem. I just think like, like taking hitters deep into counts, not knowing what to do next. I think the hitters kind of understood his, his routine and knew what he was throwing. I mean, he's had some good spots. Can't really say that he's been stellar. I don't like him so much as an eighth inning guy, but I know he's going to be there at least for the start of the season. But Will Crow, I think, is the only one that I'm not entirely sold on that I would be, you know, he's he and the young are two of the guys that I thought we would probably leave spring training without. Um, but again, who who steps up in their place? It's one of those things where we're in a better spot than last year, but we're not entirely out of the woods. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the bullpen is pretty mid to to say the least. I will say, though, with some of these injuries, Harlan Garcia, he should be back. Hopefully fairly early in the season uh maybe maybe may maybe june i know he's not throwing yet but that's that was supposed to be the lefty in the bullpen he was a free agent pickup uh robert stevenson is another guy injured i'm sure we'll see him at some point this season but as far as leverage goes bridging that gap between say five innings of a starter to the ninth inning and bednar 
I would think Colin Holderman might be the, might be the guy that steps up as a eighth inning guy. Underwood, obviously, I think he's a little out of his element as a high leverage reliever, but as a middle reliever, I'm fine with. But yeah, it's it's going to be an adventure to say the least, bridging that gap between starter to Bednar. I will say though, with Will Crow, looking at his spring stats, which mean nothing, a majority of his his uh, runs given up came via the home run. So I don't really read a lot into that down in Florida. It's always windy. It's always crazy. So he's pitched eight innings. He's given up four home runs. I know the home run is a struggle for him uh, in, in the regular season, but with him, I'm just going to hope that he kind of dogged it in spring training and he's just kind of saving his best stuff for the regular season. And hopefully he doesn't have to pitch 70 times in 2023, but uh, he'll probably be back there as well as a higher leverage situational guy. But that's the thing with this bullpen, though. I don't really think anyone has a long leash at all. If anyone besides Bednar is struggling, they're easily replaceable. So hopefully someone steps up a few people step up to really, you know, hammer out the back end of that bullpen. And uh, it's not quite as terrible, but as we kind of know with the Ben Sherrington era, he doesn't build the bullpens quite like Neil Huntington did. And we'll see what happens uh, as the season progresses. Looking at the hitting side of things, this is pretty exciting. I like what I see. Obviously Austin Hedges is the, He's going to be the opening day catcher with Jason DeLay winning the backup catching job. I know between him and Heineman, it was kind of a competition. I think DeLay has a better bat. Heineman probably has a better glove. I'm fine with DeLay. He'll probably get a few starts a week, and maybe he can provide some base hits in that time. He's not an absolute zero offensively, I don't think, kind of like Hedges or Heineman. But uh, I'm fine with him as the backup Looking at the bench spots, it looks like it's going to be either Jihan Bay or Rodolfo Castro. We'll see who the opening day second baseman is, but one of those two will be on the bench, as will Connor Joe. Kanan Smith and Jigba won the job as kind of a fourth or fifth outfielder. So we'll see between him and Jack Sawinski, the leash on Sawinski might be a little short. He really struggled in the spring Smith and Jigba really tore it up, so we'll see uh, who gets the majority of, I I would say, corner outfielder, but it looks like Sawinski is going to be the opening day center fielder. I'm not sure how I really feel about that experiment, but Smith and Jigba's there, and who am I forgetting? Um, I guess any combination of Kutch. Yeah, I mean, Kutch, I would would assume he's going to be the opening day right fielder. So, yeah, looking at it, starters, if I had to guess, Hedges at catcher, uh, Choi at first. I'll say Castro at second, Cruz shortstop, Hayes third base, and then the outfield with Reynolds, Sawinski, and Kutch and the DH, Carlos Santana. That's that's how I see it. That's fair. Um, not too crazy about Hedges behind there, but then again, who else are we going to get? Um, it would be awesome. Well, there's one guy. Hell yeah, Andy Rodriguez. <laughs> but um, super two and time uh, service manipulation reign supreme. So we're not going right. to see that. I, I am happy about Jason delay. I think his journey throughout the pirates farm system ha- is starting to finally pay off. It's not amounting to much, but I mean, the fact that he's even at this level, he came up last year as sort of like an emergency backup catcher. And, and he, I think he took the reins with it and ran with it. Whereas Heineman, it's, yeah, you have a you have more upside defensively with him, but like you said, the offense is just not there. I think Delay has somewhat of a slightly better bat. We all know at least Delay can hit a home run, whereas Heineman really can't. Right, um, Heineman <laughs> had twenty twenty or something like that. Um, but good for Delay. I'm glad to see they're using somebody who's risen throughout the Pirates system. I, I'm not crazy about Sawinski starting in center. The dude has not looked comfortable at all all spring defensively, really in all facets of the outfield but even in center field he just I I look at center field as like one of the like the most pivotal position in the outfield among the three because that's your commander out there why would you mess that up with Brian Reynolds like I know that whether you're gearing up for an extension or a trade I just don't see the point in putting Sawinski out there a guy who's unproven in center field a guy who you can't even you know he he lost the ball in the sun how many times 
it just, again, he looks very, very, very stiff out there in center. Whereas in left field, he looked a little bit better with it. Uh, or Reynolds has enough um, experience in center field to sort of command it and teach these younger guys. And I know Koch is on the team, but again, if he's going to be a primary DH for the team, how much help is he going to be toward the outfield aside from either watching tape or talking to these guys in the dugout? I don't like the fact that we're putting Sawinski out there, and, and especially since he's unproven in terms of his bat. Now, I understand Caden Smith and Jigba also in, unproven in the major league level, uh, but Sawinski, we kind of know his tendencies from last year. He hits great at PNC Park. Everywhere else, wherever you put him, and against a left-handed pitcher, you're really tossing it up, and it's not a guarantee half the time that he's going to get on base with it. I do think Sawinski has a lot of plate discipline, and I think he watches – a good amount of pitches, but at the same time, he doesn't put up numbers offensively that you'd like to see, especially from your starting center fielder. Kanan Smith and Jigba, not too, not sure what to expect from him, but I liked what I saw when he played in that one game last year against St. Louis. I liked what, he, what he's put up against uh, spring training people, or in spring training games, I should say. And then just the way he plays the outfield, again, it just looks so much smoother. It kind of gels well with how Reynolds plays, uh, maybe even Connor Joe. I've been tossing back and forth of delivering this hot take, but I, I'm I'm – mostly convinced that by the end of the season, Kanan Smith and Jigba over oversees or overtakes Jack Sawinski for the starting role in the outfield, whether it's in center field or left field. That's just my opinion. That's just based off what I've seen. I know things could change. Jack could get hot. Kanan could get cold, but I'm just looking at these two players. And to me, Kanan just seems like the much more superior outfielder than Jack actually does. So that's my take on them. Um, I'm excited to see what Key Brian does. If we're focusing on the good here, he's learned to pull the ball a lot. Again, he's added more power in the offseason. We've talked about that how many times. Uh, so I'm not going to go too far in depth with that. So I'm, I'm liking what I see from him. I'm excited to see if he can improve his numbers this year. Cruz, obviously. Um, if I had to pick over the second baseman, I think G1 Bay gets it just because I think he's more consistent at the plate, doesn't whiff a lot, can put bat to ball. Defensively, I think he has more range, but in terms of accuracy and like, I'm, I'm guess I'm trying to formulate the right word, intelligent play, I'd say as a second baseman, uh, it's been a little suspect all spring and it's not just me who's noticing it. There's a lot of people out there, but I think when it comes down to brass tacks, G1 Bay, I think is better at second base. Rodolfo has a lot of power and I think he's going to be a good infielder, but I think if you're ter- talking about raw second base play, I think G1 Bay has proven that he is right there with him. I mean, him, him and O'Neill have been battering mates for the past couple of years in that middle infield. So I think that connection is there a little bit better not to say that it's not there with him and Rodolfo, but I just think him and Bay are a little bit more established in terms of that first base is going to be fun. I'm excited to see what G man Choi can do. I think he's going to be a much better first baseman than Yoshi Satsugo was clearly because Yoshi <laughs> sucked, even though I was really high on him, but uh, I think G man without the shift is going to benefit from it. Same with Carlos Santana a little bit, but I'm excited to see what Santana does or where they sort of formulate him because if Kutch is going to be the primary first baseman or DH, I mean, uh, where are you going to put Carlos Santana all the time? And I think he's going to be that sort of wild card that flip flops between first and DH because I watched him play first all spring and, you know, it, he looks comfortable there. It's, I thought that coming off a year where he's mostly DH, he's going to look rusty, but I think he fits well at first base and I think they're going to try to utilize him a little bit more. Really, it all comes down to what him and G-Man do as a duo. But um, the good thing in closing is when you look at this Pirates roster, and I again, I referenced last year's. Last year's was awful. With the likes of Yoshi, Colt Tucker, Hoy Park, Michael Parra. Oh, I'm looking at these names, and I, I want to vomit. Andrew Knapp and Jake Marisnik, which should indicate the Pirates are not completely out of the free agent market as of yet. I look at those two names and I immediately puke, but I look at this year's and my stomach settles a little bit. And I think we're going to have a little bit more of a better season offensively and defensively with who we send out on the field. Yeah. I mean, the, the stark difference between 22 and 23 is, is a huge takeaway here. And yeah, I think this season, the roster looks, I mean, at least 10 wins better. Uh, There's actual major league talent on this roster and not, some of those names aren't even quad A guys that you just named. I mean, it's it's crazy. So the talent is definitely better. Thinking about what you said with the outfield, I I think McCutcheon's going to play a decent amount of outfield. And I think maybe between him, Choi, and Santana, 
Choi's probably going to get a majority at first base, but I think they're they're each going to get equal parts in terms of uh, at bats. Kutch is definitely going to DH some, but I think he's going to get a fair amount of time in right field. As far as the Sawinski thing, him in center field, we'll see how long that lasts. I know it's crazy because last season Reynolds in center field was not very good, but the season before he was more than serviceable. So we'll see what happens there. We also have to remember too that Travis Swaggerty is he's breathing down Sawinski and Cannon Smith and Jigba's neck in terms of being an outfielder and he can play center field pretty well. So that might be an option later on in the season, but I think for now, Sawinski gets the chance to prove himself. Smith and Jigba will get a few starts here and there. Uh, Reynolds, obviously, every day. McCutcheon, maybe he starts four to five times per week. And Connor Joe, I feel like he's more of a, a bench guy or a platoon guy. He'll face some lefties. So we'll see. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited with, with the position player side of this roster because like you said, Hayes mashed in spring training. Uh, it looks like he's knock on wood healthy. Uh, his approach, him pulling the ball is, is really great to see. Cruz, obviously the sky's the limit. So we'll see with, with the hitting side of things. And you like Bay. I'm more of a Castro guy. I just like the potential of power. And that's probably why I lean towards Sawinski too over Smith and Jigba. It's kind of similar, honestly, uh, those two different position battles with Smith and Jigba and Bay. They're a little more disciplined at the plate, strike out less. But with Castro and Sawinski, you like the power, you like the home run threat. So we'll see how that shakes out. I'm leaning towards Sawinski and Castro now just because I like the power potential. So overall, yes, the main takeaway is that this roster is just way, way better on opening day 2023 than it has been probably since the Ben Sherrington era has started. So whether that translates to wins, we'll see. Whether that translates to Flirting with 500, we'll see. But uh, it's definitely going to be fun to start. And I guess that makes me kind of transition here into some of these bigger picture questions for the Pirates in 2023. And I'll start with asking you this. What would you consider a successful season for the Pirates? What would that look like in your mind? Well, stating the obvious, I think um, finishing under 100 losses would be a great start. That's step uh, one. That's a big step one. Uh, step two, I guess just showing, putting more definition to that player-centric culture that it keeps getting referenced. The first step in that, so I guess step 2A would be bringing Endy up at an appropriate time. Following that, Swaggerty even, seeing uh, Quinn Priester come up and Mike Burrows, pretty much just a lot of the, of the young guys. Again, showing that player-centric culture, showing that we're not just going to stick veterans out there every day who suck and, you know, relying on waiver wire claims to get us through 162 games. Like that's, it's very simple, but that's just where I see. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say firing Derek Shelton or overhauling the management because I think he's building a good chemistry with the players, but I do think that uh, a, a major step for them would be bringing in the right guys to teach these, uh, teach these players that, you know, how, how to get better. No more of this, you know, sticking in a lull. We need guys, we need coaches who can come in here and turn this place around and show that Derek Shelton, if he is, is a good coach. Again, it's very simple to me, but I really think that it's just very, very basic steps that the Pirates need to take and not overlook, not overthink anything. Just stick the best guys out there. Let's try to actually put forth an effort, I think is just what I'm trying to say. I will say on Derek Shelton, as far as odds on the first manager getting fired in 2023, Shelton is the number two favorite behind Dave Martinez of the Nationals. And it's really it's a two-horse race, to be honest. It's Martinez 5-1, to one, Shelton 6-1. to one. So, yeah, I agree with you in terms of just let the good players play. Let the Maybe not good players, but let the players that – perform the best play 
Uh, everyone should have a short leash. No one, if your name isn't O'Neill Cruz, Brian Hayes, or Brian Reynolds, your job should not be safe for more than two, a month at a time. That's just how I see it. Those are the only three locks. They're the stars of the team. If they struggle early, you're patient. But if, you know, Carlos Santana starts the season hitting 130 through a month, then you got to pull the plug. So we'll see what happens. For me, what constitutes a good season is they need to win. They need to win at least 70 games. I think that's that's the bar that they should set for themselves, which that's such a pathetic sentence. But uh, 70 wins is is a must. And if they can flirt with 75, 80 wins, honestly, I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, a lot would have to go right. A lot of health would have to go right. But I have confidence in the starting rotation and the depth of the starting rotation. I have confidence in the lineup, and I have confidence in players that will be coming up. Like you mentioned, we're going to see Nick Gonzalez. We're going to see Andy, obviously. We're going to see some of these pitchers, Priester, like you said. So I think the mesh between veterans, young talent, and Honestly, the vibes of this team is trending upwards because it can't be trending downwards for any longer. It just doesn't make sense. So we'll see what happens. Uh, 70 wins at least. That's that's what I would say would define a successful season, which I don't love saying that, but that you got to set the bar low with this franchise. So that's where I'm at. Next question I have for you. What are you looking forward to the most and what, what are you the most excited about in regards to this season? Any like particular storyline player you want to watch anything? I'm excited about McCutcheon returning to PNC. I would like to meet a pirates fan. Who's not excited about that. Obviously excited for the promotion of Andy uh, with everything I've seen so far. I'd love to see him in the MLB as quick as possible. I'm locking my attention on two stars. Uh, that's Reynolds and Cruz. Because I I really think the Pirates, well, I'm expecting them in a way to extend both of them, Cruz especially. So and and I think it's all based on how they perform out of the gate. Uh, maybe not so much Cruz, but a lot, but definitely Reynolds because there's a lot of trade rumors with him requesting it. I feel like they're going to try to gauge the water a little bit. There's rumors that they're going to strike a deal before opening day, but I don't know. I, I'm hard pressed to believe that. If I had to pick one player, I'm locking my attention on in terms of on-field performance, I would have to say either Connor Joe or Kanan Smith and Jigba. Connor Joe for one reason, because he can play all three outfield positions, maybe not well, but he can he can do a pretty good job. Hitting-wise, he would have ranked pretty high on the Pirates last year, which, again, not setting the bar incredibly high, but considering he came up through their system originally, I think it would just be great if he just broke out on offense, showed like, hey, this is what you missed over the past couple of years since trading me for freaking Serpico of all, ple- of all people. <laughs> um, and I think toward the end of the year, if things aren't picking up in terms of the offensive outlook, I think Connor Joe has a good chance of maybe maintaining that right field spot. But again, sort of transitioning to Kanan Smith and Jigba, the storylines around him, how we performed in uh, in spring training, how we did all season last year, and pretty much his long road to recovery. I'm expecting him to sort of keep that chip on his shoulder throughout the entire season and never play like, like his job is secure, like he is earning a spot every single day of the year. So he's going to go out there and ball out pretty much. And I think what would be awesome is, and I know it's a big stretch, but if it happens, you heard it here first on the Fan First Network. Kanan Smith and Jigba rocks for the Pirates. His brother, Jackson, again, not too sure if this is going to happen, gets drafted by the Steelers. I think Let's that go. I think that would make a great storyline for Pittsburgh. I know it's very unlikely. Odds of it are slim to none, but hey. He's there at 32. Yeah, you never know. You never know what could happen because, I mean, there are rumors that Steelers are going to go wide out first round. Please, God, no. But um, those are like the two people I'm looking at the most. There's really nothing else. Maybe Jose Hernandez too, just because, you know, he went from double a all the way to the majors. And if he does pretty well, I think that'd be a pretty cool success story for him. Yeah. Maybe that sets precedent that the pirates, uh, bring guys up quicker. So we'll see you there. I will say on the Brian Reynolds news, uh, apparently on the fan today, Jason Mackey said, quote, I've heard from people that they are optimistic that something gets done. 
and the day for that would be Wednesday. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, there could be a deal done. So we'll see. And then the quote continues. I want to couch that by saying I've talked to people who say it won't, but there's a chance it could happen. So as far as a Reynolds deal, how it would look, this is kind of what I've thought in my head. I could see them going seven years, $110 million. So the math in my head is buy out the remaining three arbitration years at $10 million each, buy out four years of free agency at $20 million a clip. So that would be seven years, $110 million. And then perhaps they tack on an eighth-year team option worth another $25 million. So in my head, eight years, up to eight years, $135 million. I think that's fair. Um, but once again, we'll see. We'll see if they can get it done. We'll see if they get anything done. Who knows, too, like this contract, obviously it's about more than Brian Reynolds. It could be about buying back some confidence from the fans, but I would like to see it get done personally. It's not my money. You know, I don't want to see the Pirates trading their good players. I don't know. I just just pay your good players. We've been seeing it all around baseball. The Pirates were able to get something done with Cabrian Hayes last season, so hopefully this season as well. And hopefully, yeah, as as the season goes along, Cruz, Keller, other extension candidates, I would love to see Reynolds get his deal done, though. What am I looking forward to this season the most? I'm excited to see what Cabrian Hayes can do. I am. I am. I was down on him last season, but, you know, you're not supposed to take too much away from spring training. But with him specifically, just how he looks, he looks stronger, his approach, his ability to pull the baseball I tweeted this maybe a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. I don't remember, but Cabrian Hayes, his glove is so good that if he is just an above average hitter, if he could have a 110, 120 OPS plus, WRC plus, whatever you want to use, he's a six win player. He's a six war player. He was terrible hitting last season, well below average, well below league average. And he was still able to lead the team in both F-War, B-War, whatever. He was a three-win player F-War-wise, a four-win player B-War-wise. The glove is that good. If he can just hit a little bit, just give us 280, 360 on base with a 450 to 470 slugging, maybe hit 15 to 20 home runs, 30 doubles, a few triples here and there. He's going to be an MVP candidate because he's that good at everything else the game has to offer. So I am here for Cabrian Hayes' breakout season. Just stay healthy. That's the key. No pun intended, pun intended. Key Brian Hayes is the key to the Pirates' 2023 season. If he takes a step up, who knows? I also want to throw in, I think Mitch Keller is a big key to the season because he's kind of like that anchor of the rotation at the moment. Sure, you got Rich Hill who, I don't know, I, I feel like one bad start and he's going to just go downhill. I mean, at 43... You don't know what to expect. Uh, and, and you still have a lot of impressionable young guys. Really, Keller, again, is that main anchor of the rotation. He's got to perform well and set a platform for the rest of these guys. And especially if you said, if if extension talks are in his future, he needs to perform now. We, we can't keep waiting around for Keller to get better forever. We can't keep watching him excel in spring training and then flop in the regular season. Uh, now, I would say maybe give him like a minimum five starts to see what he does. But I, I think if he can really post some strong numbers this season, you know, maybe take that extra step. And this would be on Derek Shelton's part too, letting him go more than five innings. I, I really think that he could help lead this pitching squad. I think that would deserve, that would reserve him a nice extension going forward. And um, he, he's one I'm keeping my eye on too. And you know me, I hated Keller two years ago, but now I'm really excited to see how much he, if he can, if he can turn it around at all. All right, let's get a little negative here. What are you dreading the most this season? I'm dreading the the amount of time it takes before Andy's in the major leagues. I am yeah, because every day <laughs> you remember how it was last year with Cruz and Cruz put up worse numbers. And if Andy starts off on like a seven game hitting streak, these fans are going to be outside of PNC rioting that Andy Andy's brought brought up. Um, but that's again, not to say that they could bring him up then. Um, I'm also dreading the bullpen situation because something tells me that we're going to go late in games with leads, whether it be, by one run leads or even by six run leads, pretty much no lead is safe until you get the bed in the ninth. But even that is kind of contingent based on how much usage he gets. 
Um, I'm afraid of mismanagement. I really am, Um, (laughs) especially in-game because the past two seasons, I know Shelton has not had much to work with. But now that he has some assets, I'm very I'm afraid that he's going to be outside of his comfort zone and just start panicking whenever he gets deep in his, into games. And uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to pull the trigger on guys way too early. It's going to be pretty detrimental going forward. I, I don't know. I just I dread that one game where it could it could start us on an upward trend and then he just completely blows the hell and back because of mismanagement. But that is a long shot. I feel like he could be a lot better in-game manager now he that he has a couple of tools but really i'm not really dreading a lot yeah i agree it's weird to say but i'm actually more optimistic about a lot of things this year i know we're not the world series but if we can improve i think well i mean yeah we there is a (laughs) slight slight chance but i am just excited and i'm not really dreading much aside from what i just mentioned there yeah i agree the bullpen is probably at the top of my list and you mentioned shelton I'm not maybe dreading this, but I'm interested to see how how he he kind of gets at bats to certain players because it, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Honestly, you look at it, like I mentioned, besides Reynolds, Hayes, and Cruz, there's really not one player that's a ton better than the other. So you got eight spots pretty much, and eleven players that all need at bats, and. Uh, three of them are going to be playing every day. So what? Five spots, eight players every day that it's kind of going to be like a a carousel. So we'll see how he gets players at bats. But yeah, I agree. I'm mostly optimistic about this season. Talk to me in a week. We'll see. (laughs) But I I don't know. It's There's definitely a different air about this team. And ever since the Pirates made a few signings this offseason, ever since Kutch, the cherry on top signing to come back to Pittsburgh – the vibes are high, but we'll see. Uh, a five and ten start could change things, but on the other side, a ten and five start that could we can we could be starting some crazy talk here. I did want to throw in one thing that I forgot to mention. I am dreading every Vince Velasquez start <laughs> because we all know that Luis Ortiz is in AAA, even Michael Burrows or somebody else. But having to watch Vince Velasquez, who is a proven to be terrible. It, that he toes the rubber every fifth day. I'm not going to want to watch or listen. I don't know why, but I'm I'm like weirdly optimistic about Velasquez. Uh, maybe my brain is fogged by the past two years when they've signed bad veteran pitchers and they've worked out. But I, I, with Velasquez, I'm just give me five innings of two to three run ball and I'll be fine. Just no huge innings, no two star or two innings eight runs given up starts and we'll be fine. Heck even give me four innings of two runs given up. Even if you pitch, you know, throw 80 to hundred pitches, I'll be fine. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I would, I would have a short leash on him for sure. If he, if we're, if we're talking second week of May and his ERA is in the sevens, it might be time to, uh, to move on, but we'll see. Um, next thing I have for you. You got any breakout candidates and maybe not like the obvious ones like the Andy Rodriguez's or Cabrine Hayes's. That's kind of mine. But who who are some low key breakout sleeper breakout candidates for you? Are you factoring in minor league rosters, too, or are we just sticking straight MLB? You could you could give me some minor league people that are going to rise up and become high risers. That that is totally cool. OK, Um can say two pitchers here. Uh, Cody, Cody Bolton for sure. Cause I think last year he just had a little bit of a down year projected to make the pirates roster and his numbers don't look great, but I, I liked what I saw from him during the spring. I think he's got a chance to be a decent long relief or even back end of the bullpen kind of guy, uh, since he's transitioning more there now, another guy's Caleb Smith. I think we all thought that he was going to crack the opening day roster. I think you did even, I think you were actually the heaviest in thinking that he was going to crack opening day, but he didn't unfortunately sent down pretty early in the minor or in the uh, spring training period. Um, I feel I feel like if he puts up some strong numbers in AAA, other guys sort of fall back. I think it's going to be – I think he's got a shot at coming up to the major leagues at some point in the season. Um, I'm also – I'm going to say this. I think Malcolm Nunez finally puts his stuff together and kind of cements himself as that – I don't want to say first baseman, maybe corner infield or maybe corner outfield kind of guy that we were looking for. 
I think he's finally got that power. And I think all he needs to do is tune up his contact a little bit, which I think he can do. So I'm not mistaken. I think he was either, I think he was sent to AAA, Malcolm Nunez. So if he can put it together in AAA, I think he could, he has a chance of maybe cracking the major league roster, maybe late in September or something like that, like a late season call up. If he can just put his stuff together and I think he's got the, I think he's got the opportunity and the tools to do it. Okay. I like that. Um, for me, I'm torn on Nick Gonzalez. That's what I'm going to say. Because on one hand, I, I love the, the approach, the swing, but the swing and miss, the, uh, the lack of ability of hitting high fastballs, the lack of end zone contact percentage is a huge problem. But he kind of pulled me back in this spring. Uh, once again, take it for what it is, spring training. But if he could just get the strikeouts under control a little bit, and stay healthy. He's another guy that injuries have hampered his development. If he could stay healthy, get the bat on the ball more consistently, who knows? I'll pick him, though, because that's fun. And uh, I that's a guy that I'm really rooting for. Uh, moving on here, you got to give me a bold prediction. Anything. All right. Hmm. Well, I already gave one, and that was Kanan Smith and Jigba takes over for Jack Sawinski, starting outfield spot throughout the year. Um, but I'll give another one. I will say that after a pretty tough year in terms of swing and miss last year, O'Neill Cruz puts it together, and I really believe that he's going to finish. I'll go top six in MVP voting. Oh, my God. Let's go top six. Go on. Give me a little stat line. What are you thinking? Uh, I think he's going to go maybe like 290. Uh, oh, like, man. 290 with uh, 293. I'm trying to think 390 and 715, maybe. That's an absurd stat line. That's MVP right there, pal. Sleep deprivation is kicking my ass, but hey, I mean, I think it's I think it's doable for Cruz if he just puts his shit together. Um, I think he could finish above 30 home runs. Yeah. Maybe just under triple digit RBIs. Yeah. Um and I think. I think he's going to set a couple of records this year in terms of, you know, I think he might even break his hardest hit, uh, hardest hit ball record this year. Okay. Yeah. 30 steals. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I love that. Sign me up. 290, 390, 715. Sign me up. That would be, he'd be like an 11 win player (laughs) if that happened, but uh, sign me up. I, I agree. My bold prediction is, Kind of along those lines, not quite as bold, but I think that the combination of Brian Reynolds, Key Brian Hayes, and O'Neill Cruz can combine for 15 war. You pick the war, they're getting 15. Uh, Cruz, like you said, give me 30 home runs, give me a five win season, uh, give me the steals. I, the batting average, I still think may be a problem, but even if he hits 240, that that would be perfect. Get on base at a 320, 330 clip. I'll take it. He's going to be slugging close to 500. I'll tell you that. Last season, he struck out every other at bat, it seemed. He still slugged 450. And, uh, I mean, your numbers aren't too far off from what he did in September last season. So, who knows? Maybe Maybe that stat line particularly is two to three years away. But I think ceiling-wise, it is definitely in the cards at some point. But I think Cruz is going to have a nice season. Hayes, I mentioned it. If he could just hit a little bit, he's a five-win player. And Brian Reynolds, if he can bounce back to 2021, Brian Reynolds, maybe not quite that good because we forget he was awesome in 2021. But if he's a four- to five-win player, I don't know. If those three are anchoring your team – if that happens, if they could if they could get to 15 war, maybe supplement the other position players to 20 or so. Who knows? Who knows what the Pirates could do? Um, but, yeah, that's my bull prediction. 15 war for those three combined. Um, all right, here's a, here's, a, here's a quick one for you. Is Brian Reynolds a Pirate by the, se- the end of the season? And hopefully this question is moot by the time this podcast comes out, but – you answered for me. Uh, by the end of the season, I'm going to say no. If they can't agree on a contract long-term, they're going to get whatever they can get 
uh, like best, best package possible at the deadline. Um, love Brian and Pittsburgh, but again, if they can't work out a long-term extension, then what are we doing here? They're just going to try to get whatever they can for him. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, if they don't get a deal done by opening day, which the clock is obviously ticking, but it looks like they're at least talking. Um, I think he'll, he'll be shipped off by the trade deadline. Um, and if I had to put odds on it, I would say maybe minus 300, he gets traded this season. Uh, I think those are the, the odds and him getting extended before the season starts, I'll give it five to one odds and him just playing throughout the whole entire season. I'll give it two to one odds, but I, I do think if, uh, if he isn't signed before opening day, if the pirates aren't in contention, which doesn't seem like it's going to be the expectation, then July is going to roll along. The pirates are going to be 10 to 20 games under 500. The Brian Reynolds, depending on how he's performing, the rumors are going to heat up. And I, I would hope Ben Sherrington gets an offer. He can't refuse, but We'll see. Hopefully, if he is traded, which it just sucks talking about it, the market heats up and uh, the Pirates get a fair overpay, a good haul. But, yeah, I agree. I think the realist, the realist in me thinks he gets traded. But once again, I don't know. We had a podcast this offseason where we talked about wanting the Pirates to uh, sign Andrew McCutcheon in the very next day as the podcast dropped. Andrew McCutcheon was signed. So maybe Brian Reynolds can get an extension and uh, people listening to this can, can laugh because it all means nothing. All right. A few more here for you. Just real quickly. Give me a team MVP. Key Brian Hayes. I agree. I'm going to go with Key Brian Hayes as well. Best pitcher. Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller. I'm going to go with Contreras. I'm going to go with Rowanzi. I think he's going to take a step up. Uh, I think he has a chance to be a two to three win guy as a starter. So uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to pencil him in. Give me a a reliever of the year not named David Bednar. Uh, I'm going to say Colin Holderman. I think he's Colin got Holderman. Um, I agree with you, but just for the sake of being different. I'm going to go with, let's see. Oh, geez. Robbie Z. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie Z, maybe. No, I'm going to go with my boy, Dwayne Underwood Jr. He, uh, he's going to take the step up to high leverage reliever this season. He's gotten beat up over the past few years, but he's going to take the step up. All right. Last one here before the official record prediction. Who do you think will benefit the most from the role changes, both hitting and pitching? Hmm. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Carlos Santana. I think he's going to find gaps a little bit easier without the shift. Um, obviously with him being a big pole hitter, I think he's going to benefit a little bit more from it. And there's talks about a lot of people could benefit from it, but I think Carlos Santana has the biggest chance of doing that. I think O'Neill Cruz is going to be the biggest you know, he's going to have the best results from the lack of shift just because he hits the ball so damn hard on the ground too, that if the ball isn't hit right at a fielder, he's going to stack up hits. He's going to be able to pull the ball, especially if there's a runner on first, he'll be able to just slap balls through that hole. I think Cruz is really going to benefit from the lack of the shift. Even if he doesn't pull the ball all the time, just any ground ball has a chance of getting through. And there's probably going to be some ground balls that are hit right at guys that they can't feel because it was hit 117 miles an hour. So uh, I think Cruz will really benefit. Pitching-wise, is there anyone that you think they're just going to be able to mess with timing with the pitch clock or really, uh, you know, you've seen kind of some some pitchers messing with timing. A Max Scherzer, uh Nestor Cortez, is there anyone that you think pitching wise will be able to kind of uh, use the pitch clock to their advantage? I'm looking more of a young guy for this, and I I don't know why, but I'm thinking Johan Oviedo. He just seems like he was 
he was more comfortable with these rule changes, not really biting too much. Um, it's a toss up between him and Ortiz, but given all the circumstances, I'm going to say Oviedo for now. I like that. I'm going to go with the old guy. I'm going to go with Rich Hill. Uh, I could see him being a guy that 10, 10 seconds left on the clock, quick pitching. Uh, he's, he's someone that likes to switch the arm angles around. I think he's going to mix in quick pitches, long pitches, different arm, different arm angles, different uh, breaking balls via those arm angles. I think he's really going to mess with hitters' timings. All right, last question here. The end-all, be-all record prediction, your 2023 Pittsburgh Pirates, how many games do they win? What place do they finish in the NL Central? Is there playoffs on the horizon? What do you got for me? I'll start with the easy question. No, playoffs are not <laughs> the horizon. If we do, it's the luck of the Irish. Um, <laughs> uh, who Place in the NL Central? I'm going to be optimistic and say third. I do believe oh. that the I think the Cubs and the Reds are worse in a, in some, in different ways than the Pirates are. I mean, the Cubs really only added Dansby Swanson. Um, and J-Mo. J-Mo, yeah, but, I mean, he's just – with his injury history, I don't believe that he's going to make it a full season. Um, and unless Cody, Cody Bellinger has a big bounce-back season, I don't have faith in them much. Um, the Reds, they're kind of like where the Pirates were a year ago maybe. Um uh, who knows? They could stun people, but I still don't think they're ready yet. The Pirates, like you said, have, have at least some major league talent. Um, by no means are they going to take the division, but I, I think they're going to finish third. I think it's going to be fine. And with that said, in third place in the NL Central, I think the Pirates are going to finish 72 and 90. We're going there. It's not I like that. It's not completely outlandish. I still think they're going to lose 90 games, but given this talent level and clearly it's an improvement this year. Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't think they're going to be as terrible as some people think they're still going to be bad, but they're not going to be terrible, terrible. I like that. And I, I like third place playoffs. I don't think, but I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel so optimistic. I might just be buying the magic. I just, I really, I really have a lot of faith in what O'Neill Cruz and Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds are going to do this season. I really do. I really think that they're all going to have really solid seasons. They're really going to lift the floor of this team. So with that being said, I'm going to say the Pirates win 79 games. 79, 83. They're gonna be they're gonna be this year's like pesky, crappy team, kind of like the Orioles last season, where no one saw it coming. And obviously the Orioles weren't able to finish it off. And the Orioles finished over 500. They had a chance at the playoffs. I don't think the Pirates are gonna be that good, but I think it's gonna be June, and the Pirates are gonna be flirting around 500. And Maybe some players get traded, but I think with the influx of minor league talent, they're going to be able to keep it rolling through the dog days, through the August and September when they're out of it. Maybe they're not quite out of it. Maybe they're flirting with it. 79 wins. It's very optimistic. I will say, uh, looking at these odds, to win the division, the Pirates are 30-1. to So that's not, like, outrageous. And on this is on DraftKings. The Pirates over under is let's see if I can find it here 68 and a half wins with the over being a slight underdog on those odds I like that over 68 and a half maybe I'm uh like I said optimistic but I don't know you like that over a respectable number I think last year was what 62 I think yeah I think it was like 60 yeah something like that 62 I'll give you this too O'Neill Cruz to lead Major League Baseball in home runs. What do you think those odds are? If you had to guess. Mm-hmm. To lead Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70 to 1. That's a good guess. That's close. It's actually 80 to 1. And I don't know. If they had that for the National League, I might, I might sprinkle on that. Just because you look at it, 
There's not going to be an Aaron Judge 62 home run type season. The leader in home runs this season, I would guess, will probably be in the 45 to 50 range. That's the exciting thing about O'Neill Cruz. If you told me now that O'Neill Cruz somehow hit 48 home runs this season, I would I would not find it totally unbelievable. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Stolen bases leader. It's funny as well. Let's see if uh, Cruz is here. Uh, he he's not. He should be because who knows. So yeah, those are some uh, some DraftKings odds. But give me the over sixty eight and a half. Give me seventy nine and eighty three. That's where I'm at. That's my official super optimistic prediction. But I'm there. I don't care. It's March. This is the time for happiness and joy and uh, anything is possible. Jake, anything else you want to touch on before we sign off here? Uh, yeah, there's a couple new things we're going to be doing um, with Fan First Sports Network. It's pretty pretty big stuff. First of all, want to welcome uh, newest addition to our uh, Talk the plank S kind of family, uh, Haley Ryan. That's right. Uh, Haley is joining us. She's going to be doing uh, I think you said what, what Nate, a minor league recap of sorts. Yeah. She's going to have a weekly minor league show. And uh, along with that, we are going to be posting daily recaps of the previous night's game, just five to 10 minute little cups of coffee. It's going to be called morning buck of Joe. So we're going to be posting those daily and, uh, Whatever happened the night before, we'll just be giving our thoughts on the games, maybe spew out some hot takes. So we're going to have a lot more shows. Jake and I are going to have podcasts on Mondays and Fridays. So three main pods per week with some cups of coffee mixed in. Exciting stuff. We're getting, we're pumping out the pods. Uh, we're taking the step up. So we're excited to get started on that. Absolutely. And uh, we're still going to be contributing, I believe, in some ways with Bucks Dugout. I know I'm going to yes. still be right for them uh so it's not like we're leaving entirely uh let's get that cleared out now but we're just going to be doing a lot more potting as nate said and it's going to be a fun time hopefully we get some sponsors along the way maybe north shore tavern maybe some coffee places i, I don't know we'll we'll think of something we'll see what happens yeah should be a fun trip though all right jake if you want to throw your twitter out there as per usual all right if you want to follow me at underscore radio jake on twitter and you could follow me at Nathan underscore Hirsch. And if you want to follow the Fan First Sports Network, they are at Fans First SN. Give them the follow. Uh, exciting stuff there. Tons of shows, tons of shows for Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, NBA. Pretty much just taking what SB Nation had pod wise and bringing it over there. So a lot of fun stuff there. And we're probably going to be doing some crossover episodes with other teams, maybe some previews, some this, some that. So it's really exciting. Yeah. And really excited to bring it to all the listeners and to those who stuck through it. We're, we're eclipsing a hundred episodes and that's pretty damn cool. Think about a couple of years ago, Nate and I had no, each other, no idea who each other were. Didn't think it would be turning into this. And it's been a fun ride ever since continue to grow it. And again, we thank the the listening audience for helping us make it possible. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you, Jake. And uh, yeah, we're excited to see what the pirates can do this season. Hopefully they give us some, some good stuff to talk about some fun stuff to talk about, but we'll see. All right, everyone have a great rest of your day. We will be back soon. We'll be having tons more pods. So be on the lookout. And also, how could I forget, follow Talk the Plank on Twitter at Talk the Plank Pod. So it's just one word, Talk the Plank Pod, double checking. Yep, that's what it's called. So give us a follow there as well. We're trying to build that up. And yeah, we're excited. So everyone have a good one and peace out.